This is Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. The Trump administration has been pushing hard to speed up approval for major oil and gas projects, including pipelines on federal lands. President Trump even signed executive orders to expedite oil and gas pipeline projects in Texas last April. Too often badly needed energy infrastructure is being held back by special interest groups, entrenched bureaucracies and radical activists. But the planned $8 billion Atlantic Coast Pipeline, whose path crosses the Appalachian Trail, has been stalled by legal challenges from environmentalists. Today, that legal battle reached the Supreme Court, and a majority of the justices appeared to back the position of the pipeline developers and the Trump administration. Joining me is Pat Parento, a professor of environmental law at the Vermont Law School. Describe the project and what it's supposed to accomplish. It's a 600-mile gas pipeline taking fracked gas from the Marcellus Formation all the way to North Carolina. And it crosses the Appalachian Trail uh, on the George Washington National Forest, right on the crest, of course, of the mountains. It's designed to be tunneled under the trail, 600 feet, actually, under the trail. So that's, that's one of the points of controversy in the cases. Is it really diminishing in any way the trail, impacting it, even the view shed on either side of the trail, or is it simply tunneling under it and has no real impact on the trail itself? How strong is the demand for this natural gas? It's pretty strong. It's um, replacing all these coal-fired power plants that are closing left and right, and even some nuclear plants. Uh, along the eastern seaboard and down into the southeast where, you know, both coal and nuclear have been the dominant sources of um, energy for a long time. And, and gas, uh, the cheaper fracked gas, is uh, is definitely um, in demand. And, um, you know, there are, uh, I don't know how many of these uh, pipelines. There are two, uh, this one, the Atlantic Coast and the related one, Mountain Valley, that are crossing the Appalachian Trail within a pretty close uh, distance. So there's a whole bunch of these pipelines moving from west to east. So is the issue before the Supreme Court just which federal agency is in charge here? Yes, it is. Um, The Forest Service granted the right-of-way for them to tunnel under. The Park Service wasn't consulted uh, on that part. The Park Service was involved in the environmental impact statement. Park Service asserted authority over administration, as it put it, of the trail. And the Forest Service didn't dispute that in the environmental impact statement. But the question of whether the Forest Service does have the final word on allowing this underground crossing, that is the question before the court. It's It's a complex statutory interpretation question. There are actually four different federal statutes. There's the National Trails Act, there's the, for, the National Park Service Organic Act, there's the National Forest Management Act, and the National Environmental Policy Act. So a bunch of federal laws. But the narrow question, as you say, is who, whose decision is it to allow this? So how did the justices seem to approach this? They're all over the map on this one. Um, even Justice Breyer seemed to be leaning in favor of an interpretation that in this particular case, because they're tunneling under the trail, 
the court doesn't really need to try to resolve all the potential questions about who has authority over the elaborate trail system in the United States. You know, the Appalachian Trail, of course, is one of our most famous, but there's the Pacific Crest Trail. There's, there's literally thousands of trails all over the map. And so they're trying to avoid having to decide once and for all who has the ultimate authority over all the instances in which pipelines in particular may be crossing these various trails. So it's too soon to know, but it could be if the court comes down in favor of allowing this pipeline to go forward, it'll be on this really narrow ground that because they're tunneling, um, it doesn't raise all kinds of other problems. Is that a legal ground? They're tunneling? Well, that's what they're debating in the oral argument. They're even talking about what, what's the meaning of land. Uh, the petitioners in the case, including the Trump administration, um, are arguing that a trail isn't really land. And Justice Kagan said, I don't even understand what you're trying to describe. Is it metaphysical concept that you're talking about? But the, the, the idea is that a trail sort of supersedes across the land, but it, it isn't the land itself. It's the right to cross the land. So, you know, this is a pretty arcane uh, legal, technical legal question of is there really a difference between land per se and, and a trail and a right of way to cross the land? But that's what they're arguing about. I've been talking to Pat Parento, a professor of environmental law at Vermont Law School, about the Supreme Court arguments today about the planned Atlantic Coast Pipeline. So it seems as if Chief Justice John Roberts was agreeing with the people who want to build the pipeline. He said that it would create an impermeable barrier along the 2,200-mile trail, separating consumers on the eastern seaboard from inland energy resources. That seems to be the exact argument that they were making. Yeah, that's, that's a cue for sure that Justice Chief Justice Roberts is seeing this case through the lens of sort of national energy infrastructure and, and, in, and an interpretation that would block the movement of gas through these pipelines across not just the Appalachian Trail but other trails um, would be a barrier. Uh, you know, some people have likened it to building a wall across the United States and blocking energy movement. Um, and so that tips his hand, I think, that he's going to come down on the side of overturning the Fourth Circuit decision and allowing um, the, the, the crossing that they're talking about. But there's, there's a couple of important points. This project needs eight other permits. This is only one. And they don't have any of them uh, yet. And, and the Fourth Circuit has overturned two other kinds of permits, one under the Endangered Species Act, one under the Clean Air Act for a compressor. So th- there's a whole bunch of litigation around this pipeline and, and others. It also signals, I think, this moment in time you know, what is the future energy policy of the United States? Is it pipelines and gas, or is it wind, you know, wind turbines, uh, offshore and onshore, so, uh, solar development, storage, electrification of the transportation system? We're, we're really poised um, on an inflection point in, in our history. And, and this case is just a tiny little indication of the bigger thing that's going on. If the Supreme Court rules against the environmentalists, is that a signal for future environmental cases, that it's business over environment, or is this just a small slice? Well, it's just a piece of the larger tapestry. 
Um, and these fights are going to go on indefinitely. Um, there's going to be wins and losses, gains and losses as we go from the standpoint of the environment or the standpoint of a cleaner energy future. But I don't think this case, you know, is either the beginning or the end of the story. It's just one more chapter uh, that we're going through. And, and the final sort of chapter, I guess, is, is yet to be determined. The election has a lot to do with that. Um, the, the pressure that's coming from the financial institutions we just saw from J.P. Morgan, the biggest uh, financier of fossil fuel development in the world, issuing a report that if we don't stop this, we're looking at the collapse, said the uh, uh, J.P. Morgan report, collapse of human civilization. So big things are happening, June. Yes, indeed. But at the Supreme Court level, does it seem as if there is a conservative block against most of the environmental actions? Yes, I'd have to say that's true. Um, there's five solid conservative votes questioning environmental um, interests and, and environmental uh, arguments about what, what the future should be and where there's a choice of interpretation. This case is a good example. This precise question has never been decided by any court as to who has control over crossings of the uh, Appalachian Trail or other trails. So when you see a chance for the Supreme Court to lean one way or the other, I think it's fair to say they're going to lean towards industry, lean towards the status quo, and against environmental interests. That seems pretty clear. What basis did the Fourth Circuit use to scrap the agency's approval? They took what's called a plain text reading of the Mineral Leasing Act, which says if the land in question is part of the National Park Service, then the agency that it's, that's, a, that's administering the land, in this case the Forest Service, simply doesn't have the authority um, to grant a right-of-way. So the Mineral Leasing Act was the Fourth Circuit's focus point. And that's where this question of is it a land or is it a right-of-way or is there a difference between the two really becomes critical. Um, the, the court, to get around the Mineral Leasing Act, the Supreme Court is going to have to say this is not land within the meaning of that statute. So, so, the, so the Supreme Court decision could be very narrow, as this court is often wont to do. Yes, and, and I think the, the liberal wing of the court is trying to signal, as I'm reading the transcript of the oral argument, to the conservatives, maybe we'll go along with you if we can keep this a really narrow decision. Did what Justice Kagan say, though, seem to contradict that? Yeah, Justice Kagan um, doesn't buy this idea that a right-of-way isn't land. She's, I mean, she's a hiker, so she was talking about uh. when I'm hiking or biking or walking on the, land, uh, on the, on the trail, I'm on the land. So I, she was saying, I don't get this distinction. She might write a dissent on that ground. I don't, I don't see this as a unanimous opinion in any case. Fourth Circuit has ruled in this case, as well as you mentioned before, in a few other cases. Are other courts around the country in agreement with the Fourth Circuit, or is there a dispute among the circuits about these kind of things? No, there's no, there's no split of authority among the circuits on this particular kinds of question of who has the authority to grant rights of way or crossings over the national uh, trail system. This is the this is the first time that's come up. So uh, there probably will be uh, other controversies and depending on how this decision comes down, 
It may block environmentalist attempts to, to stop pipelines in other locations, or it may not. It may be so narrow to this particular case that it leads to another day arguments about all these other pipelines that are proposed to cross all kinds of federal and state-owned land. There's another case pending, uh, a cert petition pending on, you know, does uh, uh, pipeline companies have eminent domain power to just go out and condemn private property uh, and and state-owned land, I should say. They got the right to do private property, but do they have the right to condemn state-owned land and take it? for pipeline uh, locations. So those, lots of different issues around pipelines. Why is it the Park Service versus the Forest Service? Why did they have two different opinions about this? And why did the Forest Service get involved? Well, I mean, the Forest Service had to do the environmental impact statement because, you know, all we're talking about in this case is crossing the trail. But this um, this pipeline crosses, you know, hundreds well, I don't know if it's hundreds of miles, but a long, long section of the George Washington uh, forest. So the Forest Service was considered the lead federal agency for the project, and it just came up on the question of can we allow them to tunnel under the trail, and it said yes. It didn't. It's not really fighting for that particular uh, position, and in the as I said in the impact statement, it basically conceded that administration of the trail is is the responsibility of the Park Service. But see, then we have this dispute about what does administration of the trail mean? One of the questions the judge asked is, if a tree falls on the trail, does the Park Service at Harper's Ferry have to get on a plane and fly up (laughs) to the forest (laughs) to remove the tree? So you get some kind of crazy implications when you have this joint management of the trail and the forest. But the Forest Service still has the biggest chunk of the national forest lands to deal with with a project like this. What other environmental cases are coming up at the court that you're watching this term? Well, there's one involving whether, uh, as I said, uh, pipeline companies have eminent domain authority to to take state-owned lands. Um, That's the East Pennsylvania Pipeline Company case, uh, where, again, the lower court said no. Uh, Congress didn't mean to delegate the authority to private companies to condemn state-owned land. So that's a big issue. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Supreme Court take that one. There's another case involving the Freedom of Information Act, which is important. And this is a Fish and Wildlife Service case with the Sierra Club. And the question there is, can the Fish and Wildlife Service refuse to release documents um, that are internal um, drafts of biological opinions and other documents like that uh, and claim deliberative process. How broad is that deliberative process privilege? And the Supreme Court might take that one because there's been quite a bit of litigation around the country with different outcomes under what's the scope of this exemption from disclosure. And as we know, the Trump administration has been very active in denying the release of documents and scrubbing websites of information, and the environmental community, of course, is anxious to get their hands on some of those documents. So that's another important one. If you were going to predict, if I was going to force you to predict how the court would come out, how would you say it would rule? Looks to me like they're going to find a way to approve this crossing. And um, the, the most the environmental community can hope for is what we call a soft landing, I guess, which would be um, the narrowest possible 
rationale and, and not foreclosing forever uh, the ability of the National Park Service in certain situations to say no um, to crossing uh, trails that are administered under the National Park Service Organic Act. That's, that's probably the best we can hope for in this one. Thanks for being on Bloomberg Law, Pat. That's Pat Parento, a professor of environmental law at Vermont Law School. Remember, you can listen to all the latest legal topics in the news anytime on our Bloomberg Law podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast or just go to iTunes or Bloomberg.com slash podcast slash law. I'm June Grosso. Thanks so much for listening. And remember to tune into the Bloomberg Law Show weeknights at 10 p.m. right here on Bloomberg Radio.